0: Right now, it's Barry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. Hey, good morning to you. God's Word is so real life, it speaks to the struggle of being human with real power and real strength. But there's an art to learning how to experience the power of God's Word, it takes practice, it takes years of practice author and pastor John Piper has learned the art of applying God's word to his real life struggles. For him, he's come up with this acronym APTAT, which stands for admit your helplessness, pray for help, trust in a specific promise from God's word, act on that promise, make a decision to act on that promise, and then give thanks for God's help. Not a formula It's a way of tapping into the power of God's word as you practice it over days, months, and years. So, fear is a real life struggle. I have fears, I'm sure you do as well. Here's what it looks like to bring God's power, the power of God's word, into our fears.
1: Suppose you are tempted to be afraid. And this is just universal. I mean, little, little teeny anxieties and really big ones. Just you pick yours right now, what you're most worried about, okay? And here's, here's the way it works. You're, you're afraid, you're anxious, could be really severe and could be tiny, and you're called to do something. And you know it's the right thing to do and you're afraid to do it. Gotta do something, you gotta, you gotta act. So what do you do if you're afraid? You admit honestly, I'm afraid and I can't do this by myself. I cannot do what I must do because I'm afraid to do it. Number two, you pray. God, grant me courage, just total simple language. God, help me not to be afraid. Please give me courage. Please, God, i got to overcome this. Help me. Okay, now we all pretty much do that. We, we're all pretty desperate people. But now the T, the trust piece, here's how that works. Here is John Piper's gear sound when everything is in neutral and the, the motor is idling. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will hold you up in my victorious right hand. I have used that against the devil and against my fears a thousand times in the last 50 years. Day after day in Germany, I remember, when I was a graduate student. I was anxious every day because of the language issues. I was surrounded by liberals who didn't believe the Bible. It was just tense all the time, and it was constant warfare. And I'm riding my little balloon tower across these cobbled streets. I remember going over to the university for something I didn't want to do. I'm scared to do it. (laughs) I'm with you. I'm going to help you, John. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to hold you up. And he did. He's always done it. But I wasn't vaguely thinking, oh, I need help. Oh, God, you're kind. Do something. That's better than nothing. But way better is to remember something specific, tailor-made, that he said. And you take that into your brain and you preach it to yourself. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. And you actually picture him that close to you saying it. He's here, he's in here, Jesus is in here, and he's talking. This is his word, he's talking to me. I will help you, John Piper, I will help you. You believe me? There's the issue, do we? Do I believe him? There's the T, pick a verse, some verse that's tailor-made for this, which is anxiety, and preach it to yourself, and then act. You just act, you act. It's sometimes like stepping out on air. That's what faith sometimes has to do. He's going to keep his promise. I don't see any limb out there. And then when you're done, you thank him.
0: I would not be sitting here talking with you if it weren't for the power of God's word. I'd probably still be alive, but I'd not be here sitting, talking with you because that's how powerful God's word has been in my life. And when I'm afraid, here's here's a go-to passage for me. Unless the Lord had given me help, this is Psalm ninety-four, seventeen through 19. Unless the Lord had given me help, this is my story. Unless the Lord had given me help, I would have soon dwelt in the silence of death. When I said my foot is slipping, your unfailing love, Lord, supported me. Listen to this. In the multitude of my anxieties, your comforts delight my soul. My dad shared that passage with me a few years ago and it's such a go-to passage in my anxieties because I do, at times, I have a multitude of anxieties and I can wake up in the morning and those anxieties just come flooding in and the Word of God just holds me up and Mm. delivers me.
2: Mm -hmm. For me, one of those verses is Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I am God. There is, um, like my mind can get going a hundred miles an hour with worry. I mean, the what ifs can own me, you know, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if da, 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 worst case scenario, blah, 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 five years out, 10 years out and da, 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 you know, and it just goes like a hundred miles an hour. And I feel like, you know, it reminds me of when my babies were in their crib and they would just be wailing and frantic. And I would just, I would walk into the room and I would just like place my hand on their chest. And it was just like, I'm here, I'm here. And they just, (laughs) you know, they, they just settle in and their little hearts just still. And they're like, okay, mom's here. You know, in the same way, I need to be reminded Psalm 46, 10, be still and know that I am God. It's just for me, it's stopping all that crazy racing of my head and recognizing that the God who created everything and has everything in his control is right here right now. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So N.T. Wright was, he's a theologian. He was washing up, doing the dishes, good man that he is, good theologian that he is, (laughs) doing the dishes. And he happened to be washing this brand new knife that he and his wife had gotten and he washed it up and set it aside, and then when he went to dry it, he picked it up and immediately felt this tingling sensation in his fingertip, and it had just cut straight through his skin and flesh and just effortlessly sliced him. And he didn't realize it was a, a double-edged knife mm. until it had, he saw blood everywhere. So again, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The word of God is alive and is active. And so when we open up the Bible and read, we're connecting with a spirit that is timeless, that is alive. We read God's word and we're having an experience not just with wisdom and words on pages, but with a living God who breathed the word of God into being, according to 2 Timothy 3.16. And he who spoke those words, who breathed those words, also created you and me. So he sees us and he knows us. And so, you know, not just knowing who we are, like other people know us, you know, who our mom and dad is or what we look like or where we work, what we do for a living. He knows who we are. He knows the inner parts of who we are, our soul, our secret thoughts, our motives, our plans and intentions that make up the true center of who we are and and the motivation for everything that we do. And so when we open up God's word and we read the Bible... It's an opportunity not just for us to come into this knowing and understanding of who God is, but we are simultaneously known in that moment and with the God who is alive right now. And so, this mysterious, beautiful thing happens in reading God's word where we're exposed, and it's gonna happen. The, you know, we're all gonna have to take account for who we are at some point in time, whether that comes at the end of this life or in the daily, you know, page by page opening of scripture and reading and knowing God and being known by him. And T. Wright says, if you open yourself day by day and week by week to the message of scripture, its grand sweep and its small details and allow the faithful preaching of Jesus and his achievement to enter your consciousness and soak down into your imagination and heart, then the admittedly uncomfortable work of God's word will be happening on a regular basis, showing you where you really are and what's going on deep inside.
0: So the word of God, and this, this will sound familiar to you, but it's so true. The word of God afflicts us when we're comfortable and the word of God comforts us Hmm. when we're afflicted.
2: That's tweetable.
0: Well, it's, it's a common saying.
2: That is so good. I don't know that I've ever heard that before, but I believe it to be true with them I mean I've experienced that.
0: I switched it up a little bit okay you know it afflicts the comfortable and comforts the afflicted mm-hmm. so but it does that it does that when I'm when I'm pride and I'm all into me, you know the gospel will reveal the pride in my heart and and show me that you know, I'm relying on myself, but when I'm beaten down by my sins and I feel so horrible, the gospel comes and says, I love you just the way you are.
2: God knows us better than we know ourselves. And so that's why that revelation comes. He's the knower, right? You know, he created us and he knows us intimately. And so he reveals things that where we have blind spots in our in our own behavior, and our own thinking. And he brings them to the surface so that he can
0: purify us. Okay. I got a question for you. Yeah. Because this can sound kind of scary, what you're saying. Right? <laughs> yes. So.
2: It is scary.
0: So why should I do this if it's, it's such a uncomfortable thing that can happen?
2: Okay. So we have a choice. We can avoid it. You can just keep that book shut and not go there but there is going to come a time when it's all going to be revealed. So we can, we can choose to step in and be shaped by God and let him like a, you know, a very skilled surgeon go ahead and cut separating bone and marrow and slice away the stuff that is toxic. That's killing us and And purify us.
0: And here's another thing that helps me with that is that knowing God's heart, knowing the father's heart, knowing how much he loves me, that every time I I see that junk, that toxic stuff, and I repent and I turn, there's the father on the porch and he's getting up and he's running toward me.
2: Yes. And that same spirit of God that breathed scripture into being, he, he lives in The words that he spoke, he's alive. And what he did when they were written, he's still doing today. And he can do in you and me.
0: Your and my desires are from God. The way of Jesus is not anti-desires. God created our desires. But as I'm sure you've experienced, as I have, the dark side of desire. Desire can overwhelm us, choke out our faith, even destroy us. This is real life. And the only way to not be overcome by the dark side of desire is through the power of God's word. I know this personally. So we need to know how to take hold of God's word when our desires are threatening to overwhelm us. Author and pastor John Piper has found a way through trial and error to take hold of the power of God's word. He uses the acronym APTAT, admit your helplessness, pray for help, trust in a promise, act on that promise, and then give thanks for God's help. This is what it looks like. This is what APTAT looks like in relation to our desires.
1: So you desire something. Everybody deals with this. That's why thou shalt not covet is in the Bible. You desire something and the desire starts to get really strong. Really powerful. You are starting to lose your contentment in Jesus. You are starting to feel if I don't have this thing, might be a husband, might be an iPad, might be freedom from cancer, might be whatever. You want it so bad. I must have this. That you're losing joy. You're losing contentment. In fact, you're being tempted if you don't give it to me, I'm quitting the faith. That's how serious covetousness can be. Desire can start to just conquer you for something you don't need. You need God. So what do you do? Number one, you admit, I can't beat this. It's too strong. I need your help, God. I really need this powerful desire. I've tried to shake it. I can't shake it. Number two, pray, oh God, conquer this covetousness. Take away this craving. It's irrational. I know I don't have to have an iPad, or I don't have to be married, or I don't have to have a job. I don't have to have it. It's killing me I want it so bad. And then the key, T, got to have a promise. You need a specific, tailor-made promise, and here's a good one, Hebrews 13, 5, and 6. Keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have, for he has said... Now, here comes the promise. That's exhortation. Here's the promise. I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. And that text, that promise is given as a solution for the love of money. Keep your life free from the love of money, for he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And he whispers that to you. You don't need money like you think you do. You need me. Do you believe that? Will you hold to me? Will you rest in me? And then you act. You act. You turn away from the idol. You stop looking at it. At Amazon and you thank him for the deliverance from that craving.
0: You quit looking at all those shoes on your screen there, Sean. Stop it. (laughs) Knock
2: it off. Now you're getting all up in my business.
0: (laughs) I love this. Admit your helplessness. Yeah. Pray for help. Then take hold of a specific promise tailor-made for that struggle that you're having. Act on the promise. Take a step of faith. You know, step out. Make a decision to step forward and give thanks for God's help. This is a way of activating the power of God's word in your and my life. And it's not a formula. It's something you practice, you practice, you practice, but the Holy Spirit is there. The power of God's word is there. And you and I can see a difference as we do this.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Just one step at a time, right? Like if I want to get from here to California, California is the destination. I can be frustrated every day that I'm not in California or I can just take one step west. Mm -hmm. You know, every single day. I actually, this morning on my drive into work, I was feeling hurried, which is, you know, funny for a lot of reasons. I spilled coffee. I had to go back home. I had to make a second ride out.
0: And what did I text you?
2: You said, don't rush.
0: Yes, I did.
2: You did. It was like the most, like godly wisdom right when I needed it. Can I just also tell you that as I hopped in the car to come to work this morning, what automatically started to play, I'd like this not to happen in my car, but when I hop in my car, whatever I was listening to last immediately picks up again. So the ruthless elimination of hurry is what, was, is what I was listening to in the car as I was rushing off in a hurry because I had spilled coffee on myself, and yada, yada, yada. Anyway, on my drive to work, even in the midst of all that craziness, God brought to my attention, my desire to want to be used by him. Like, what is my calling? What is my, you know, how God, are you going to use my life? And I felt like it was a, like the Holy Spirit was, um, convicting me and reminding me that my first calling is not to do something amazing for God. My first calling is just to be with him. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and and just even in a you know a God honoring thing, right? There's this human peace, this sinful desire mm-hmm. to want to be known for having done something great for God. Yeah, you know, and God just brought that to the surface, and was like, "I need you to surrender that again today." And I was like, "Oh my goodness, yeah." Mm-hmm.
0: Desires can overwhelm us for sure, and ministry. We've talked about this many times on Parent Shana Mornings. Ministry can become an idol. If what I do for God becomes my identity, then it's its not the gospel. Right. So it's, it's great to recognize that because I see that in my own heart. But here's, here's a, a passage that I would suggest for you with your desires. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-control part of the mind part of the Holy Spirit part of the Spirit of God within us is the ability to control our desires our desires are good they're from God but when we you know follow them in the wrong direction they can destroy us but that's not what the Spirit of God leads us into the Spirit of God leads us into freedom talking about the power of God's word and how it just it helps us in our real life struggles. If someone else has wronged you and you just can't let it go. You just are unable to let it go. Your only hope to let it go is through the power of God's word. At least that's been my experience. But we need to know specifically how to tap into the power of God's word in order to let it go author and pastor John Piper has found a way through many years of practice to take hold of the power of God's word. He uses this acronym APTAT, which stands for admit your helplessness, cry out to God for help, then trust in a specific promise of God, then act on that promise and then give thanks for God's help. So when it comes to letting go and not being able to let go, here's what that might look like.
1: You were treated badly, really badly or slightly badly. Imagine the worst sexual abuse, or imagine just some slight at work. Or or somebody, maybe this is even worse, somebody you love, your child, or somebody was really treated badly. And you're angry, and really angry. And efforts at biblical reconciliation have been done, and, and it may or may not have been very fruitful. It certainly doesn't feel satisfying. And the offender, maybe he tried to repent, maybe not, maybe she said something, but that isn't working either. You're just really angry. And you can't let it go. You might be married to this person, it might be your father, it might be your former boss, it might be a friend who did something betrayal like. And you know the bitterness in you that you go to bed with every night is wrong, you know. And you know it's killing you and nobody else. And you clench your fist and you grit your teeth every time you think about this thing and can't let it go. In fact, you—you, you, one of the main reasons you can't let it go is because it's just not right. Justice has not been done. There's nothing proportionate here about what I'm experiencing, what that person is experiencing. It's just wrong, wrong, wrong. And you... you that to yourself over and over again, and it's true and deadly. Now, what do you do with that? If that's true, what do you do? Number one, you admit, I can't shake this. This bitterness in me is really deep, and I can't get free of it. It's destroying me, and uh, that person is just happily moving on with their life. And secondly, you pray, God, I really need your help, I can't stop feeling rage, I want you to take it away. And then, the key one, you trust, a tailor-made, specific promise. Now where would you go? Well, here's the one I will suggest, Romans twelve nineteen. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay. That's a promise. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. Justice will be done. May not be done now. This promise says, if one of the things holding you back from letting it go is it's wrong, justice hasn't been done, they're getting away with murder, then this is tailor-made for you. Because what it says is, God will lift from you the suicidal load of vengeance and carry it to one of two places. He will carry it to the cross if the person repents, or he will carry it to hell where they will be forever. And you can't improve upon either of those. If they're in hell, you don't need to add to their punishment. If their load was born and forgiven and paid at the cross, you would dishonor the Lord if you didn't share in the forgiveness. It's a massive promise, I will repay. And that is true for every single sin that has ever been committed anywhere in the universe at any time. That's true of that. God will repay that sin, either on the cross or in hell. So you believe that. You say to yourself, all right, I trust you that you are the judge. I, I hand over to you who judges justly. I will lay it down, and then some actions are taken. I'll stop reading those letters. In fact, I'm going to burn them. I'm going to burn them. I will stop going to that place with all those reminders, I will stop savoring a cycle of thoughts in my head. When the thought comes up, I will say no to that thought and shift my mind over onto the cross and over onto the judgment. You take actions, and then you thank Him.
0: You know, to forgive, to let go is really hard. We're not not trying to come across like this is really easy to do. But the first step is, you know, saying, God, I can't do it. And maybe that's where you're at. You just can't do it. You can't let it go. It's just, it was wrong. And John just shared some golden things, hopefully, that resonate with you. But I think we should just stop right now and and we want to pray for you. If you're having trouble letting it go and it's so hard, I know you need God's strength and you need God's power.
2: Father, we just love you so much, and thank you that we can step into your presence in any given moment on any given day, regardless of the posture of our hearts. And for some right now, Father, we are just so painfully aware of how we have been hurt by people, and it is just not right. It's not okay. And by admitting that to you and inviting you into the circumstances, it's not justifying what they've done. It's trusting you implicitly with our pain and with what's not right, trusting that you can even redeem even this. So God, we just come to you honestly this morning saying our hearts are full of angry and bitter feelings and we don't know how to We don't know how to take care of it. We don't know how to be rid of it. But we love you and we trust you. And your word says to let go, uh, to stop white knuckling this thing and to entrust it to you. And so in faith, we are walking that out this morning, just saying, I'm sorry that I thought I could hold on to it and I could be in charge of it. I can't. I can't control what it's doing to my heart. And I want you to take it today. And so we just trust you. To do what only you can do. In Jesus' name.
1: Thanks so much for listening. Questions or comments? Text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.